Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I'm Ken Levine, your podcast host. And this week I want to talk about the process of writing. And this is a subject that I find endlessly fascinating because there's really no right answer. Writers have different processes. Writers work in different ways. So I thought uh, this week I would discuss a number of them. And if uh, you're a writer, actually it involves anything in the creative process. Um, How do you work? And... uh, like I said, you may work completely differently from somebody else. And who's right? Well, if the end product turns out to be good, then you're both right. But I find it so interesting that two people can come up with basically, let's say, two really good episodes of a television show, and they're both really well written, but the way the two writers got there is completely different. You know, usually there's, okay, there's one method of pitching and there's one method of hitting. There's not 72 different methods. And in terms of writing, it seems like there are uh, any number of ways that writers work. And so I thought today I would discuss some of those. And I start off with a story that George Abbott, who was a theater director who, who like worked till he was like 100, was asked by some director of a musical uh, to come in and he was kind of stymied on a certain number and would George come in, take a look at it and offer some suggestions. And George Abbott said, okay, and he goes to the theater, shows up for the rehearsal, and the uh, dancers are just standing around on the stage, and the director said, so here's what I need to do. I I want them to do this, 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 and this, but I don't know how to do it, and da-da-da. And uh, Abbott said, okay, show it to me. He said, well, I don't have anything because I don't really know what to do. And (laughs) Abbott said, look, just do something, do anything, because once you have something there on stage, now we have something to fix. 
but at least have something. And I thought of that story when I recently read an article about John Schwartzwelder, who is one of the premier Simpsons writers. There's a big article uh, about him in a recent New Yorker, which uh, I recommend you Google or get the magazine, read it. Um, He's a terrific writer, like one of the premier Simpsons writers. Wrote many, many episodes, was with them through the first number of years. I got a chance to know him a little bit because David and I worked on the show the first few years. But he was talking about his writing process through the course of the article. And he said that for him, the hard part is just that first draft. And I'm paraphrasing here. But as we like to say, the tyranny of the open page or open screen. And to just come up with something out of nothing is very difficult. On the other hand, again, this is where it goes back to George Abbott, he would say, once I had a draft, then I could go back and just rewrite and shape it and turn it into a Simpsons episode. We call that a vomit draft. And basically what that is, is you write the first draft in like a day and you throw in things like jokes to come or just have characters state the obvious that you will find better ways of phrasing where Homer says, I want to do this. Marge says, you can't do that. Homer said, then I want to do this. Marge says, no, you can't do that either. It's very bald and and awful, but once you have your vomit draft, then you can go back and put in the jokes and shape things and make cuts and do whatever you need to do and turn it into a polished script. Like I said, a lot of people I know do write in that manner. I don't. Personally, I'm one of those writers that... Well, I can't say that it has to be perfect when I'm just writing from scratch, but it has to be okay, (laughs) if that makes any sense. Um, I can't just write joke to come. I have to come up with a joke. Now, I may beat the joke later, but I have to come up with uh, at least a joke that I feel is passable or a line, an exchange, whatever, that I think is worthy enough that I can keep it in a script. Now, there are some people who go the other way, that every single line, every single word has to be perfect before they can go on to the next line. And I think that is really a trap for a number of reasons. Number one, it's never going to be perfect. It's just never going to be perfect. And number two, it's so laborious when you do that. And it takes so long. It's like passing a kidney stone to write a scene. And the problem with that is, let's say later on you go, huh, you know what? Uh, There's a better way of doing that scene. Or I really don't need that scene. Well, if it only took you a few hours to write, you will be more inclined to go, yeah, so what? Screw it. Get rid of it. 
But if it took you three days, you're going to be more protective and you're going to keep material that you really shouldn't. So the idea of making every line perfect before you can go on to the next one, um, not a good idea in my estimation. Although there's some writers who will do that and win Pulitzer Prizes, so who am I to say? But I like to go at a good enough clip so that if I need to throw things out, that I will. And I always understand that as I'm writing my first draft, that there will be rewriting, that I will go over it and do more drafts. So I don't really look at a scene and just study it and what's wrong with this and and let it ruin my entire weekend. It's like, okay, I'll figure it out. Keep going. Um, When I write a play... I have, I write on final draft and I also have a discard file. So if I'm writing and I go, hmm, this might be kind of an interesting run and I write some two-page run and then decide, nah, I really don't need this or I think of a better idea for a different run. So I will take the discarded portion and put it into a file and if by the end of a 90-page play, I will have a discard file of 30 or 40 pages. That is not unusual. Not for me. Not the way I work. Um, I, Like I said, I like to go as quickly as I can. Am I quicker than most? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Aaron Sorkin is quicker. Larry Gelbart was quicker. Don't beat yourself up. It takes you as long as it takes you. And it takes me less time now than it did earlier in my career because I have more experience now. Whereas before, everything was new and I was discovering how to do it. I was making mistakes. I was falling into traps. I was learning about various traps where now I'll be writing something and I'll easily see a warning sign of, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, I'm going to write myself in a corner if I keep going in that direction, back off now. Um, Another point, too, is when you're working on something and it's not going well. You're stuck on a line or a beat in a scene and you keep trying alternatives. You keep trying different lines, different things and it doesn't work, never works. Oftentimes what you need to do is go back because it's not just that line. You're going in a wrong direction. And the fact that you're having so much trouble coming up with that line or that beat is an indication that you are going down a blind alley. So step back. Go, okay, it's not just this line here on page 30. Um, This run begins on page 28. Maybe I better do something else. And so, again, if it hasn't taken you five days to write those two pages, you will be more amenable to saying, yeah, okay, screw it, uh, just 
put that in the discard file and go another way? What if he does X instead of Y and go down that avenue? And sometimes you might have to go down three or four until you find the right one. But other times, as you're writing, you will discover something and it's great. And you go, I never would have come up with that in the outline. This is just one of those inspirational moments that you get as a writer and people read the script and they go, wow, where did he come up with that? So in terms of timing and in terms of working uh, by yourself, those are uh, a couple of my thoughts. And we'll get back to more hilarity in just a moment. But first, a word about Honey. Now, I've had a number of you guys email me and thank me for turning you on to Honey. And I think one of the reasons why it is your favorite sponsor is because it is free. So what is Honey exactly? Well, it is a free shopping tool that scours the Internet for promo codes and applies the best ones it finds to your cart. Okay, so you're shopping online, as we all do, and you get to the checkout window, and then the Honey button drops down, and all you have to do is click Apply Coupons. Wait a couple of seconds, it does its thing, and if it finds a working coupon, you will watch your price go down and down and down and down. Did I mention this is free? It's very cool. I've used it, like I mentioned last week. I bought headphones. I saved $17 as a result of Honey. So if you don't already have Honey, you know you could straight up be missing out on savings. It is literally free. It installs in just a couple of seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this humble little podcast. Now, I never recommend anything that I didn't use. And like I said, I have used Honey. So get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Levine. Once again, that's joinhoney.com slash Levine. You will be one of the people thanking me too. joinhoney.com slash Levine. Levine. Now let's get back to more of me. What about when you work? Again, there are some writers who believe they get up in the morning and they have to write while they're fresh and rested. And so they will come down and write from eight o'clock in the morning until noon and then they are done for the day there are other people who are more nocturnal people like myself i tend to write at night and part of this for me is because when i had young kids you spend time with them you play with them you give them baths you read them stories you put them to bed and finally the house is quiet like at nine o'clock at night and so that's when i would start actually writing and for me, it seems like most of the jobs that I have had since I was 16 years old took place at night. I always worked nights, worked nights in a record store. I was a nighttime disc jockey as a baseball announcer. Most of the time you work nights as a writer, you're going down to run throughs and then coming back and doing your rewriting at night. So for me, I am way more used to working at night and I'm more comfortable that way. You may not be for you. It may be the opposite. There are some writers who figure, okay, I have got to write 
seven pages a day. And I'm going to sit at my desk until I write seven pages a day. Now, there may be terrible pages, and I'll go back and fix them tomorrow. Uh, Or I might be able to be really inspired. The muse will hit me today, and I'll write those seven pages in an hour and a half, in which case, um, you know, I'll go out and see a movie, but I have to write seven pages a day. And there are other writers who feel, okay, I will write to the end of a scene. And when I get to the end of the scene, then I am done. Me, neither of those. <laughs> I write until I hit some roadblock. And that roadblock could come in the middle of a line, and I'm just stuck. I try to come up with a new line, and it doesn't work, doesn't work, it's getting late. I'll just stop. I'll just stop and put it down and go off and do something else. Oftentimes, like I say, I write at night, so I'll go to bed. And I'll usually keep a pad and a pen alongside the bed. And oftentimes when I wake up in the morning and I'm rested and I just kind of let my mind riff a little bit, the answer will pop up. Or if I take a shower the answer will pop up. And then when I go back down to my office and continue writing, now I have kind of a burst of energy because I have that line and I'm off and running into the next section. The problem with finishing a scene before you go to bed is that when you arrive the next day, now you have to start from square one again with a new scene and set that up and build up momentum again. That's just the way I work. I can work at home. I can work at Starbucks. I used to go to UCLA and in a lot of the libraries, there will be these uh, individual carols. And I would sit in one of those carols and uh, had a nice window beautiful view of the UCLA Sculpture Garden. And for me, the advantage of that is I'm not locked in a room because, you know, there are people kind of wandering by and it's quiet, but uh, at least I feel I'm out in the world and I can pause and go to Coffee Bean and get a coffee if I want. Uh, But over this last year, being in quarantine, I got very used to writing by myself locked in a room because there was no alternative. Dalton Trumbo, very famous writer from the blacklisted era, he used to write in the bathtub. (laughs) He has a little typewriter on a stand that hovered over the bathtub, and he would sit in the bathtub smoking a cigar, writing his scripts. So everybody likes to work in a different way. Some writers insist on absolute quiet. Other writers like to have music going. I'm kind of in the latter camp, which stems from when I was a teenager. I used to love listening to the radio. And so to make sure that my parents wouldn't say, turn off the radio when you're studying, I worked very hard to get good grades, not primarily to get into college, 
if I'm being honest, but so I could keep KHJ on the radio while I was working and I wouldn't miss anything. <laughs> I wouldn't miss my favorite songs on KHJ. So I can write with music going, but again, there's a lot of people who can't. Now, there's also a, a single writer's process versus a writing team And this gets into a whole different area because now you have two individuals who each have their own process. How do they come together and work as one, as a team? Now, my partner David Isaacs and I, the way we always work is head-to-head. In other words, we are both sitting in a room writing the script from start to finish. A lot of writers will divvy up the work. They may put the outline together, but then writer A will do the first act and writer B will do the second act, and then they'll come back and either rewrite each other or they'll work together. Uh, In some cases, one writer will do the first draft and then the second writer will do the second draft. The most unusual writing process I think I have ever heard is a writing team and they would work out the outline together and then each would take a copy of the outline and they would go off and write their own full first draft. So now there are two first drafts and then they would merge them together somehow. Oh, I liked your joke better here. Oh, I like this run. Maybe we could use my line from this and put it into your thing here. And that's the way they work. To me, that's insane. That's like double the work. One of the advantages of having a partner is supposed to be that uh, you don't do all of the work. You have somebody to do half of the work for you. But that, again, seemed to work for them, and they had a very long and successful writing career and wrote some terrific scripts and also have a a number of Emmys. So, again, who's to say that they're not right? When David and I started writing together, we did it in longhand, and we did it in an office, and we kept the door closed. We didn't want any distractions from anybody walking by, nothing in the outside world. And then when we got to Cheers and we learned from the Charles brothers how to just dictate scripts where you have a writer's assistant. At the time, they were taking shorthand. Now the writer's assistant sits at a computer and basically does the same thing. And so David and I learned to dictate our scripts. When you're dictating your script, obviously there's that third person in the room, so you learn not to be self-conscious about that. And eventually, we would have the door open. Uh, We didn't care. We didn't care. And on MASH, when we did our rewrites, we would usually do them. There was like the first day of production in which there would be a table reading and then rehearsal. So the cast would go off from scene to scene and they would stage it and rehearse it and then we would come down and take a look at it. But to do our rewriting, we would go to the mess tent. So we would sit at the mess tent and be working on the scripts and crew people going by and painters and actors and God knows what, but 
we had to get the uh, the script done, and it was stupid to spend 10 minutes to walk back to the office and work for another 10, 12 minutes and get a call that they're ready for us, and then we got to walk 10 more minutes back to the stage. It just made no sense at all. It made way more sense to do the rewrite at the mess table. So when you're watching episodes of Cheers from the 6th and 7th and 8th season and you see a scene in the mess tent, you can go, ooh, that scene was probably rewritten right there. And I'm sure that's going to increase your enjoyment of MASH tenfold. But um, we tend to write quicker now because we dictate the script. And for us, what's great about it is you don't think just in terms of the next line. You're really kind of keeping the whole scene ahead of you. And sometimes you will come up with a whole run instead of saying, okay, so Sam will do this, and then Diane says that, and then Sam. So what would Diane say back? You go, okay, I got an idea for a run about Sam and Diane. And you just pitch it out like improv. You just pitch it out, and the writer's assistant gets it down, and it's two pages. And now, going back to George Abbott, you can go back and refine it, take out a few jokes, sharpen a few jokes, fix it up a little bit. But you're thinking in terms of two pages at a time. You're not thinking in terms of one line. Uh, another thing that partnerships really have to work out is just the the work habits of the two partners. And by that I mean you have some writers who need the adrenaline. They need to procrastinate and put off writing the script until the last minute. And only then, when it's due in a day or a day and a half, can they sit down and blast through the script. Larry Gelbart was like that. Larry Gelbart, when uh, he worked on the pilot of, of MASH, he was living in England, and Gene Reynolds, who was the showrunner, uh, came to him proposed the idea of writing a pilot for MASH. They worked out the story for a few days. Gene went back to Los Angeles. Several weeks passed, and CBS was starting to get nervous. Where's the script? So Gene called Larry in England and said, how are you coming on that script? And Larry said, I just put it in the mail. And Larry hung up and then wrote the script that night <laughs> and sent it off. That's the way he works. I would be a basket case if I had to work that way. Uh, one of the things that's great about my partnership with David is we both feel the same way. If we are given two weeks to write a script, we will sit down and go, okay, it should probably take us like four days, and then we'll need maybe two days. Let's allow ourselves two days to rewrite and let's allow ourselves maybe there's a day when we hit a snag and things go slow but if we need to have this script in two weeks 
let's sit down Monday morning at 10 o'clock and start writing. And Monday morning at 10 o'clock, we were both in the office. We were both there and we're both ready to go. Um, I, I know of a writer who has to work in public. And he was doing a script with another writer who was used to working in an office. And they worked <laughs> in like the produce section of of Gelson's. I guess there were some tables because there was like a little patio area or something. I don't know. And and they had to work there. And for the writer who was used to working in an office, he was incredibly uncomfortable, as you might expect. And finally, I'll say this for a working partnership. You have to get along and you have to work on that aspect of your collaboration, how you fight, how often you fight, that type of thing. Well, for David and I, we set some ground rules. Number one, that we, we fight. We argue, we debate things, but we don't make it personal. Okay, so we can argue for a half an hour about some story beat, and then we see, okay, it's 1230, let's go get some lunch, and we go off and talk baseball, and then come back and argue again. That's perfectly fine, but you don't make it personal. The other thing that David and I do is if, if one of us pitches a joke, and the other one doesn't really like the joke, doesn't really find it funny, but you do. And you go, well, I think it works because da, 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 da. And the other guy goes, I still don't get it. Instead of arguing for 15 minutes and having one of the partners pissed because the joke either went in or was discarded, what we'll do at that point is we'll just throw it out and come up with another joke, a joke that we're both happy with. It takes less time, and you don't resent the other partner. We got into the habit of doing that, and, and it's, it's automatic for either one of us. It's like if you can't convince the other in a couple of minutes that this joke works, again, no harm, no foul, and no ego, and no hurt feelings. It's like, okay, fine, let's, let's come up with something else. We'll come up with something better, something that both of us uh, are happy with. So that's very important. And another thing that David and I did for our partnership early on, which I would recommend if you are the type of partners who likes to write head-to-head the way David and I do, once a year we would take a script early in our career and we would split it up. And I would write one act and David would write the other act. And then we would put the two together and we would polish it together. And what was interesting is that you really couldn't tell who wrote which act. (laughs) That by working together and having the same standards, it was very similar from act to act. Uh, Our sensibilities were so aligned. But what that allowed us to do was have confidence that we could write by ourselves if we so desired. And that proved to be a big thing because we became a partnership 
out of choice, not dependence. It was never, yeah, I know I'm always late, but I'm the funny one. I'm the one with all the jokes. Uh, yeah, I know we have to write at Gelson's, but uh, I'm the one that has the story fix, so suck it up. We're partners because we both feel that the end product uh, with the two of us is better than if each of us were writing individually, but that was certainly a choice on our part, and yet we always felt if we had to that we could write separately, and there were times when when we did have to. So those are some thoughts on uh, the writing process. There's a million more didn't Proust used to write in bed and uh who was it who used to like cut out words and move the words around I mean there's there's thousands of ways every writer it's like a slow snowflake every writer has uh, his own method and again whatever gets you to a good script is the right way And that will do it for this week on Hollywood and Levine. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, Howard Hoffman, John Wolford, Bruce and Jason Miller. If you would like to reach me via email, easy to do, HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. That's HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. I'm on Twitter, at Ken Levine. I am on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. Uh, Please subscribe if you haven't already, and I will talk to you again next week. Hollywood and Levine.